I think one of the funniest stories I've I've heard so many funny stories, but this one is at the top. Our friend, his name's Des, he is Irish and he, he's been kind of going back and forth from Ireland to Oklahoma over the years. When he was at a youth convention in Oklahoma, somebody called him on the stage and asked him to say an Irish blessing over the crowd. Now, one thing that people think Americans don't realize is that while Irish people, they learn Irish from the beginning of school all until they leave, most people only leave with a couple of phrases under their belt. One of the the couple of things they know is I need to go to the toilet and I like chocolate cake, those two things. And so that is all the material Adez was armed with when he was called up on the stage to say the blessing. And he's like, oh Lord, what do I say? He was like, I'm just going to go for it. And so in Irish, he just got up there and in Irish said, I need to go to the toilet and I like chocolate cake. And everybody in the crowd was like, yeah, man, it's amazing. You know, he's like, <laughs> great. Okay. He really knocked it out of the park. <laughs> knocked it out of the park. Yeah, they loved him. <laughs> Good job, Des. Mm-hmm. My name is Mary Kay Blum. And on behalf of the Doorways Leadership and Influence Network, Welcome. We enjoy talking with people from many different walks of life about how they lead others through their influence and how they influence others through their leadership. We hope you'll enjoy it too. Are you ready? Let's get started. Well, this is Rick Shields. Welcome to our podcast. I'm the director of the Doorways Leadership and Influence Network and your host today for this podcast with Katie Edgman, who, along with her husband, Blake, and their two sons, Eden and Eli, currently live in Dublin, Ireland. Katie grew up in Louisiana, began a career in nursing, and just as she finished a master's degree in midwifery, she moved to Oklahoma and met her husband, Blake. Then she says, out of the blue, God called us to do student ministry in Ireland. So we sold our things. I said goodbye to my career, and we moved to Dublin in 2012. After witnessing the great need for crisis pregnancy help, God prompted Blake and Katie to change their ministry focus to what they have called Zoe Community. Zoe trains volunteers in local churches to support women in crisis pregnancies. And God is using her training as a midwife in ways she never thought possible. So Katie, thanks for joining us on this podcast. Thank you so much, Rick. Thanks for having me. I love talking about this stuff. Hey, isn't that just like God? You work to establish what you believe is the direction that you should study and work. Then you lay it all down to do ministry somewhere else or in a different context only to find him resurrect that dream, and it becomes something like a phoenix rising from the ashes. It's really funny how God works. I've always said, and Blake says this a lot more than I do, but that we weren't necessarily called to missions. We were just kind of called to be obedient, and the steps have worked out as they have, just because God said, do this, and we've done it. Did you really ever believe, though, that once you left, that your midwife training would pick back up again? I don't know. It's it's almost like God gave me like a blanket of peace in making that decision because when we left the States from which Ireland, we had just paid off my student loans, which I mean, anyone knows that's, that's a really big deal. It's no small deal. I mean, my friends were buying cars. They were living the life. I mean, I was finally getting a big girl paycheck. It was amazing. But then we had to, to leave. And then anyone who's spent any time in academia will know like it is it's a big deal to leave all that behind. But God did, it's like he blanketed me with peace to be okay with that, to be okay with maybe never picking it back up again. 
And I cannot explain how or why that happened. I just know it was, it was supernatural that some, a gift that he gave to me to be able to do that. You indicated to me, and again, we're talking about this Zoe community, this crisis pregnancy outreach program. You said that starting an organization in Ireland can be a bit daunting. Mm -hmm. There are trust issues, different views on leadership and an egalitarian culture. Those are probably three topics that deserve their own explanations, yet they're all somehow related somewhat. Can you share with us a bit of how those all work against you and how you have to work around or within them to to make things work? Yeah, I mean, I can talk a bit more about the trust issues with the church a little later on. There's a couple of big avenues for or a couple of big roots with the trust issues, but trust issues culturally and weirdly enough, have filtered down to interpersonal relationships, but those can, those have dated back hundreds of years. The history of the Irish being dominated by the Vikings and then the English, fast forward to them only becoming a country barely a hundred years, you know, that they're still in many ways finding their footing and figuring out how to trust or who they can trust or figuring out what is good and bad leadership. There's a saying that I guess they would use in communist country, former communist countries, they would have said the tallest blade of grass gets cut, cut down first. They say that here sometimes, you know, like you'll never see anybody really volunteering for a lot of things or sticking their head out to be a leader. Traditionally, sticking your head out gets you nothing but trouble. So if somebody was brave, let's say, and fought against an oppression, they would get smacked down. There's such a difference between American styles of community and leadership and even personality where we tend to be way more positive. Our experience as a culture has been mostly, you know, like if, if a threat comes, we whip it, you know, we take care of it. We're the, the British came over, tried to dominate. We dominated them. Yeah. You know, that's, that's the story of the, like how we got started as a nation, but the story of Ireland is there's brutality for hundreds and hundreds of years and oppression with almost no end in sight. So that translates to there's more cynicism, more suspicion, much less optimism. Usually when you come with an idea, people are very cautious. They're very risk averse. So you come with a new idea and the first thing usually out of the gate is how it could go wrong or why it might be difficult. Not necessarily outright, but um, in many ways, you sometimes come out of a conversation with someone going, wow, I feel very discouraged. Why do I feel so discouraged? And it's usually because of that cultural norm of something being suspect until it's been proven a hundred times over to work. So that to say, being adventurous or being doing something out of the norm is not something that is standard practice here and not something that really is celebrated so much. That makes it a little difficult. I mean, that really, that's a, that's a large cultural difference. Let's talk about this idea of the issue of trust. You said this is an issue with a long history in Ireland, really needs to be understood before you can just forge ahead in life or in ministry. So if you can, and again, you've already spoken to that a bit. Is there anything more you want to add to that issue of um, trust? Well, I will say that what what we do with this really is relationships come first. Trust is earned. So, and they can't be forced, like usually acts of goodwill or generosity are met with suspicion. So it's a process that can't be rushed, that has to be maintained. 
years. And it's why ministries here can take twice as long to build. But once you've been able to build a foundation, the people here are the most loyal and steadfast humans you've ever met. So once you're bound in friendship, it's for life. I wrote this book called Generous Measures. It's all about generosity. Hmm. And it would be completely suspect. And the the thing is, my book, I don't sell it. How do you sell a book about generosity? Uh, Number one. Number two, it doesn't ask for money for us. It's just a book about helping people understand what generosity is supposed to be all about. So probably don't need to bring that with me to Ireland, do I? You do, and I'll tell you, I'll tell you why. It's because even though generosity is suspicious, you know, people are like, oh no, what's this? What's this about? We actually practice generosity as one of our five core values with Zoe because it's so radically different. There are times when we've decided to rock the boat and be very different. And our volunteers who are mostly Irish, some of them are from other countries, but mostly born and raised here, they are on board. Because Hmm. generosity is one of the best way in real life and a non, I guess, non-spiritual way to reflect the generosity of Jesus giving his life for us. And so us saying like, you know, when a woman, I'm sitting here in the Zoe office right now, when a woman comes to this office, we make sure that when we make her coffee, we warm up the milk first before she comes in. We make sure we're here Hmm. so that we can get the room scented with lavender, that we can uh, make sure that we have refreshments ready for her. We make sure we have toys if she has a baby with her so that her baby can play and she can chat. Those are things you wouldn't see in a typical secular space that would help women in crisis. Usually you would see things that are kind of, that are okay, that are the bare minimum. For someone who's not a paying customer, they wouldn't expect anything but the bare minimum. But we want to go over and above because we believe that that is the best way of showing something radically different. And with our people especially, it's all about experience. And it's all about them understanding the why before the trust comes. Well, let me make that book available to people listening. It's free. You don't have to pay, register to download or whatever. Go to www.doorways.cc forward slash generous and download your free copy. It's it's available both in English or in Spanish. While we've had a lot of downloads, and I'm grateful for that, that's why we put it online for people to have it. Let me take a minute and remind our listeners that feedback is important to us. If you have a suggestion for a guest or topic, please let us know. You can drop us an email at info at doorways.cc, and we'll see how to incorporate that into our podcast schedule. Again, that email address is info at doorways.cc, and we really would appreciate both your feedback and your input. I'm talking with Katie Edgman in Dublin, Ireland, about beginning and leading a crisis pregnancy support program in Ireland called Zoe Community that trains volunteers in local churches to support women in crisis pregnancies. Katie, where are you at in the process of opening the Zoe Community Center? Well, we are still in a, well, it's a four-year battle so far for charity status. And what that means in Ireland, if you are giving any kind of service to the public, you can't legally operate until you have your registered charity. So we want to do this right. We don't want to skip any steps because trust, again, is such a huge thing. We want women to feel comfortable coming to us and that we're not, as they say, a rogue agency. But while we've been waiting, we've been doing our volunteer training. We have a team of 25 board members and volunteers who are now ready to go. We also have 
a website that we're currently updating, uh, making it even better, that has a live chat system that'll be ready to go. So our doorway will be for a woman who will get on our website and click on the live chat and our volunteers will be ready to chat with them. We also have three locations around the Dublin area, which is Dublin is be the most densely populated area of Ireland. So there's about a million people who live in and around. So we have locations north, south, and central around Dublin, hoping to expand to Galway, Cork, and some of those other areas. So while we're waiting, we've been in intense processes and refining how we do things. The premise of the Doorways Leadership and Influence Network is that influence is an expression of healthy leadership, and leadership is best measured by its influence. So how does that statement align with your views of leadership and influence, and how does that look in your context in Ireland? Well, as I said, like it's all about relationship here. And I'm reading a really great book. I'm sure you've heard of it. It's called The Celtic Way of Evangelism. I'm I'm sorry, I've not heard of that. It's really good. It it would really I think it would really work in an American context as well, but it's such a a cool way of learning about the history of Ireland evangelism and missions. It goes back to the 400s when Patrick came over here as a missionary, but the way of relationship and influence through relationship has been, it's weird how a cultural norm can stay in itself throughout like, you know, hundreds of years, but nevertheless, people here have been about trust and long-term trust building since then. He, when he came, he became one of the people he enculturated, learned the language, their way of speaking, dressing, communicating, storytelling, music, dance, everything. He, he did it their way and not the Roman way. The Roman way would have been to civilize a culture so that they are able to understand the gospel. And then after sufficiently civilizing them, explain the gospel, and then invite them into a church setting. But Patrick did it in reverse. People in his community who were bishops or priests, the higher up in leadership you were, the more time you spent with pre-Christian people. And so that was how he did things. The the Romans, uh, Roman church did not like it. They actually went in and changed a lot of how, when he died and his people who were carrying on his ministry they ended up buckling under the pressure of the Roman church to conform to their way of of doing things. And so the Celtic way ended up fizzling out and was replaced by the Roman way. But for for about 200 years or so, it persevered and thousands of communities popped up. And these communities, there's actually a place called Glendalough that's not far from where we live. It's down there. It's a monastic, an ancient monastic city. And they would have not traditional monasteries like you would see you know, that you would be familiar with the monastery or a monastic community in Ireland was open to the public. And there were families living there. There was, of course, like monks and nuns and priests who lived there, but there were people, there was a community of workers, of tradesmen, farmers, people living there. And the, the goal of living there was to demonstrate heaven on earth. And it was open to people. And their way was way different than outside of the gates. People knew that once they walked into the gate of that community, they were going to be treated differently, that they were going to experience a way of life that was familiar to them in terms of how the like the Irish would communicate and in terms of what was important to them. They knew when they watched that community, community, they would actually receive the best place to stay as a guest. They would be treated well. They would be taken under the wing of people to 
learn about the Bible and to to learn how to pray and those kind of basic things. And over time, it said in the book, like influence was earned as the person walked alongside of the Christian believers in this community. And so that's, that's how it is different here than it might be in the States. Or maybe in the States, there is some measure of that, but we've seen that a lot here. I have a friend from Australia who passed away a couple of years ago. She said, typically, the church says you have to believe like us. And if you believe like us and you behave like us, then you can belong to us. Mm-hmm. And she said, that's not the way that Jesus taught. He said, you belong first and as a result of a belonging, then belief will come. And as belief comes, then your behavior changes. And it sounds like this is exactly what Patrick was, was doing in Ireland that the Roman church couldn't quite understand. Was. We've been confused about that for years. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think, I always think about, okay, that was then, now this is now. And how has God called us to be influential in this area of ministry that we are, that we're in crisis pregnancy and involving believers in ministering to women who are outside of the church, who might be, and very well are on the fringes, people who might not necessarily, they may never walk through the doors of a church. But people in Ireland, they really do care about women in crisis pregnancy. It's a big issue, and though they might not talk about it a ton, but they're especially looking at Christians to see what our next move is going to be. So are we going to uphold a stereotype that fixates on politics and criticism, or are we going to live a radically generous, non-critical, and loving lifestyle that welcomes these women in and shows them something very, very different? Let me just ask you, as we wrap up our podcast here, if you could sum up this conversation into one important principle or concept that you'd like for us to know or understand, what would that one thing be? I would say learn your people and embrace the concept that your way of leadership or communicating might not be the gold standard. And I'd say embrace the what the Holy Spirit wants to teach you and how to love people well. I hope you enjoyed our podcast, and I hope that you'll join us on future episodes. Please follow us or subscribe so you can be notified when new podcasts are released. Until next time, this is Rick Shields, and on behalf of the Doorways Leadership and Influence Network, this is my prayer for you. May you have rest when you need it, strength when you want it, and joy when you least expect it. Until next time, may the Lord bless you as you follow after Him. Thanks for listening.